privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Dark Cast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. Welcome to Ford in Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other. It's been a while. My God, it's been more than a month since we've been here. Our apologies. We were going to get back here before the end of the year, and then things happened. And uh, Vegas is not here with us. He is, uh, he is on vacation, this guy. Missed a lot of time lately, uh, but we do have the puppet. For those of you uh, watching on YouTube, the puppet is standing in for Vegas again this week, or should I say sitting in for Vegas again this week. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button and don't forget to like the video. Also, if you're on the go, you can subscribe to this show as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you want to watch the show, you can do so at fordinvegas.com and you'll just click on the YouTube link. This show in podcast form is ad free for just $3 a month, which goes to supporting the show. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash Ford and Vegas. That handle, Ford in Vegas, is the same on Twitter and Instagram. So follow, 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 Ford and Vegas. And if you want to buy a Ford in Vegas shirt, you can do so right now at shopfordandvegas.com. And until the 9th, there is a 20% off sale until July 9th. Simply use the code New Year. That's right, New Year is the code 20% off. We always recommend the premium soft quality. And lastly, we are a proud member of the Darkcast Network, the best indie true crime podcast network on God's green earth. 
So today, let's start off uh, the last show that we did, or that the puppet and I did, was the beginning of December when we talked about the main story at that point in that time in this genre was the murders in Moscow, Idaho of the four college students. And I talked about how the pressure was on this small town police department to figure this thing out. And they did. And we have a timeline, the timeline of events that just came out not that long ago. And I will break all that down for you. We will talk about that. But first, we will begin this show uh, in Utah, Enoch, Utah. A Utah man fatally shot his five children, his mother-in-law, and his wife, and then killed himself two weeks after the woman filed for divorce. Police also revealed during a Thursday news conference that officers investigated the 42-year-old man and his family a couple of years prior, suggesting possible earlier problems inside the household. Investigators were aware of the divorce petition, but didn't know if it was the motivation behind the killings. And uh, I don't know if it was the motivation, but it certainly helped. The killings rocked the small town of Enoch in southern Utah, about halfway between Salt Lake City and Las Vegas. It's in one of the fastest growing areas of the country in communities of new homes on big lots are made up of primarily of large families that belong, like most of Utah, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, be uh, known widely as the Mormon Church. Many residents work and do business in nearby Cedar City, a city of about 35,000 that serves as a commercial hub for Enoch, which doesn't have its own downtown. The deceased were members of the faith and well-known in town. Many residents served in church alongside members of the slain family or went to school with the children. This is a tremendous blow to many families who have spent many nights with these individuals who are now gone. City manager Rob Dotson said people are feeling lost, they're feeling pain, and they have a lot of questions. Community members gathered Thursday evening to mourn and sing hymns and a private vigil at a church up the street from the home where the victims were found the previous day. Officials said they believe Michael Haight killed his wife, 40-year-old Tasha Haight, his mother-in-law, and the couple's five children each appeared to have gunshot wounds. The three girls and two boys ranged in age from 4 to 17, and included seven-year-old twins, authorities said. Tasha Haight's mother, was 78-year-old Gail Earl, was said to have been staying with the family to help during a difficult time. No good deed goes unpunished. The mother-in-law, the grandmother, the mother, just staying at the home to help the family, and now her life has been taken away. Court records show that Tasha Haight filed for divorce on December 21. Her lawyer said Thursday that Haight had been served with the papers on December 27. The reasons for the divorce 
were unknown, in part because Utah law keeps details of divorce proceedings sealed from the public. Tasha Haight and other members of the family were seen the night before the killings at a church group for young women. Police were dispatched to the family's home Wednesday afternoon for a welfare check after someone reported that she had missed an appointment earlier in the week. Family mass killings, and, and you know, this is kind of a, a question that we're going to dive into on this show today. Does this country have a family mass killing problem? Family mass killings have become a disturbingly common tragedy across the country. In 2022, which was just last year, there were 17 of them. According to a database compiled by USA Today, the Associated Press, and Northeastern University. Ten were murder-suicides, and 14 were shootings. And we'll dive more into that in a minute. James Park, he represents uh, or represented Tasha Haight in the divorce case, said that she had not expressed any fear that her husband would physically hurt her. Park declined to elaborate, citing the investigation into the killings. He said he met with Tasha Haight only twice, most recently on Tuesday, and she was an incredibly nice lady, just wanting to get away from her husband, who turns out to be a piece of shit. The White House said in a statement that President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden were mourning with the Enoch community. It called for further steps to reduce gun violence, of course, now the leading cause of death for children in the United States. The home where the victims were found was decorated with Christmas lights and located in a neighborhood of newly built single-family houses on a ridge overlooking Enoch. It has views of houses with snow-covered roofs and mountains in the distance. Half the surrounding block was cardened off by police tape. The Cedar, City, the Cedar City area, historically agricultural, is being transformed by new subdivisions. Cattle and sheep line the highway at the edge of town, along with signs that advertise custom new homes and recre- uh, recreation in Southern, Calif- uh, U- Southern California, Southern Utah's famous national parks. I live in Southern California. I think that's why I was doing that. My apologies, Utah. Sharon Hudson of Cedar City came to the neighborhood with a bouquet of white flowers on Thursday morning. She said the deaths had deeply rattled Iron County and cried as she propped up the bouquet in the snow of a makeshift memorial where neighbors left stuffed animals and flowers. It's just one big community, she said. We all have one heavenly father. Archives from a local newspaper capture moments in Michael Hate's life, beginning with a picture of him laughing as a baby in an announcement marking his first birthday. He was in the Boy Scouts and went on a church mission in Brazil. In 2003, Haight married Tasha Earl at a church temple. She was from Overton, Nevada, about two hours south of Cedar City, where uh, she grew up. As an adult, Haight worked as an insurance agent. Tasha Haight's Facebook page showed pictures of the family looking happy in picturesque settings in Utah. In a front of a large statue of Jesus. Jenny Earl, who is Tasha's sister-in-law, said a member of the Utah State Board of Education, sorry, Jenny Earl, who is Tasha's 
sister-in-law and a member of the Utah State Board of Education posted a photo on Facebook of Tasha and her children and wrote about the stiff competition to be their favorite aunt. I pray that Christ's love will mend our broken hearts and fill us with forgiveness and peace. She declined to comment when reached by the Associated Press. So the question is, do we have a family killing problem in this country? So the family mass killings are on an all too common are an all too common tragedy across this country. They've happened nearly every three and a half weeks for the last two decades on average, according to that database compiled, as I mentioned, by USA Today, the AP, and Northeastern University. So Enoch, Utah is one of more than 30 communities sent reeling by a family mass killing in the last two years, a list that includes communities of wealth and poverty and spares no race or class. A family mass killing is where four or more people were killed, not including the perpetrator. Happened each of the last two years in places as large as Houston or as small as Casa Grande in Arizona. The circumstances of the killings are mirrored. An argument over pandemic stimulus uh, stimulus checks leaves four family members shot dead and two injured in Indianapolis. Financial issues lead to authorities finding six children and their parents inside of a house set ablaze in Oklahoma. An escalating custody battle in Ohio precedes a man and members of his family shooting the mother of his child and seven of her family members. We talked about that on this show. A father loses his job piles his wife and kids in the family station wagon and plunges it into the Detroit River. Motives can remain speculative in family killings in which assailants take their own lives, but police often cite financial or relationship issues as the causes, which is what we probably have in Enoch, Utah. Um, Enoch is still investigating. Enoch police are still investigating what led to the deaths discovered on Wednesday, but authorities said that uh, Tasha Haight, like we discussed, recently filed divorce. Officials have not released information on the weapon they believe killed the adults and the children. So does this country have a family-killing problem? It certainly sounds like it. And with the amount of resources that go into mental health now and the amount of resources that go into uh, suicide prevention. There seems to be um, an issue where there's still work needs to be done. That is obvious. Family mass killings are in fact the most common type of mass killing, making up about 45% of the 415 mass shootings since 2006, they happen twice as frequently as mass shootings in which members of the public are killed. So we will be told uh, by the media that we have a mass shooting problem, a school shooting problem, a guy going into a grocery store shooting problem. But clearly, the actual numbers with no political spin and no agenda 
show that we have a family mass killing problem as they happen twice as frequently as mass shootings in which members of the public are killed. Most, but not all, but not all involve handguns. Only about a third involve households with a previous occurrence of domestic violence. And most of the assailants have no violent history or criminal past. There's no governmental agency tracking murder suicides nationally. So a few years ago, policy analysts at the Violence Policy Center, a nonprofit edu- educational organization that conducts research and public education on violence in the U.S., began tracking details from news accounts to produce an annual report. The latest version from 2020 looked at murder suicides, including many mass killings, during the first six months of 2019. The study found that 81% of murder suicides happened at home and 65% involved intimate partners. The study also found that among murder suicides where more than three people aside from the assailant were killed, six of the 10 during those six months were incidences, um, sorry, were incidents in which a person killed their children, their partner, and themselves. Kids are not spared in family mass shootings. They're just not. They are included most of the time. Fox said most of the killings fall into two categories. The first is murder by proxy, in which the killer is motivated by anger or resentment and kills the children who are seen as an extension of their partner. The second is suicide by proxy motivated uh, by despondency or depression, often most, in, uh, most often a job loss, and the assailant kills the children as an extension of themselves. He wants to spare them the misery of living in this awful world. Over the years, there's been an eclipse in community. There was a time decades ago that if you had trouble feeding your family or if you had lost your job, neighbors would come over with casseroles and they would offer emotional support. Many people don't know their neighbors these days. Now, obviously, this does not apply to Enoch, Utah, but my own personal, I think I know uh, two neighbors. That's it. I wouldn't know if somebody climbing through my neighbor's window was trying to get in the house because he didn't have a key or because he was trying to rob them. I would have no idea. I'm one of these people who don't know their neighbors. That is me. Mostly because I don't want to get stuck in stopping chats. But yes, the sense of community. When I was growing up in the 90s, we knew all the neighbors. Wasn't even that long ago. Doesn't feel like. We knew all of our neighbors growing up, even the quiet ones from down the street who didn't have any kids. We still knew who they were. We knew their names. And I'm just talking about the people that are on our block that lived on our street. We did know the people. 
But now, as we've become so connected as a society in terms of what we can accomplish with our phones and our pockets connecting with people all over the world, we have become disconnected with the people who live next door. Now, I know this doesn't apply to everybody. But I know from personal experience that I am somebody who doesn't know his neighbor. And I feel like a lot of you watching this show right now on YouTube, thank you very much, or listening to this show on podcast, thank you very much, probably don't know your neighbor either. And that's scary. That is scary. Now I say that knowing that when I'm done with this show, I'm not going to walk next door and knock on my neighbor's door and introduce myself because that's just how it is. This is how it is. And because I don't really see a problem with it, I'm not going to try to change it. But if you're listening and you feel like, damn, you know what? I should know my neighbor's name. I should know... I should know that I could point my neighbor out in a lineup. Then go next door and say hello. I, on the other hand, will continue to not know any of them and not have a problem with it because I'm weird. Reverie, the state of being pleasantly lost in one's thoughts, a daydream. But what if those daydreams turn to nightmares? Reverie True Crime shines a light on the dark tragedies that have happened and are continuing to happen all throughout the world. We interview and work with families to bring awareness to forms of injustice. We explore the depths of cases from around the world to include missing persons, mysteries, and more. Reverie True Crime is found wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, you don't have to live in fear, but stay aware of your surroundings. Stay safe and take care. So now we will change gears and we will give you the absolute latest on Moscow, Idaho, uh, Idaho, Idaho. Which, by the way, uh, Derek the Zinger left a comment on our Patreon page. I know it was a month ago, but I do remember it. And uh, he said, Ford, you're an idiot. I knew there was a Moscow, Idaho, Idaho, Idaho. He knew there was. Derek the Zinger, a much smarter man than I am. Derek the Zinger also uh, lived in Iowa. So, you know, it's not entirely... Surprising that he would know Moscow, Idaho. I can't remember. He did say why or how, but I did not print out his comment. Let me see if I could pull it up here. He did leave a comment. Ah, there it is. I actually heard of Moscow, Idaho long before this week and Paris, Texas. So there you go. Derek Zinger proving 
once again that he is smarter than me. So a newly unsealed filing in the murders of the four University of Idaho students includes several pieces of a puzzle that depict a blurry picture of what happened inside an off-campus house in Moscow, Idaho on November 13, 2022. In case you haven't heard, Brian Koberger is believed to have stabbed Kaylee Conclave's Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Kernodal's boyfriend, Ethan Chapin, between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m., according to a probable cause affidavit that was released on Thursday. That time frame can be narrowed down to a 16-minute window between 4.04 a.m. and 4.20 a.m. The first time is when police uh, see what they believe is Cobra's white Hyundai Elantra driving into the area. And the second time is when the same car is seen on a security camera speeding away. So here's the timeline that we have as of right now. By 4 a.m. on November 13th, the occupants of the King Road house that night, the four victims and two survivors identified in the affidavit as DM and BF were asleep, except for Kernodal, who received a DoorDash delivery around that time. I didn't even realize that people were delivering DoorDash at 4 a.m. Who the hell is getting DoorDash at 4 a.m.? These college kids. I haven't seen 4 a.m. in months. At uh, 4.04 a.m., a 2015 white Hyundai Elantra, believed to be driven by Koberger, is seen driving into the area. Police said it was the fourth time he had passed by the house that morning, starting at 3.29 a.m. Quote, it can be seen driving eastbound on King Road, stopping and turning around in front of 500 Queen Road, number 52, and then driving back westbound on King Road. When suspect vehicle one is in front of the King Road residence, it appeared to unsuccessfully attempt to park or turn around in the road, end quote, the affidavit says. The vehicle then continued to the intersection of Queen Road and King Road, where it could be seen completing a three-point turn and then driving eastbound down King Road, uh, sorry, eastbound again down Queen Road. 4 a.m. to 4.17 a.m., the filing didn't include a specific time when Kohlberger allegedly entered the house, but it included three major actions during this time frame. So again, it's 4 a.m. to 4.17 a.m. Three major actions during this time frame. The first was DM, who was one of the survivors, waking up at about 4 a.m. to what sounded like Gonclaves, sorry, Gonkelves, playing with her dog. But a short time later, DM said she heard who she thought was Gonkelves saying something to the effect of, there's someone here. A review of records obtained from a forensic download 
of Kernodal's phone showed this could have also been Kernodal as her cellular phone indicated that she was likely awake and using the TikTok app at approximately 4.12 a.m. DM looked out her bedroom but didn't see anyone. She opened her door again when she heard crying from Kernodal's room and a male voice saying something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Family, uh, sorry, finally, DM opened her door a third time and saw a male figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. DM described the figure as 5'10 or taller, male, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past DM as she stood in a frozen shock phase. The male walked towards the backside and glass door. DM locked herself in her room after seeing the male. She told police that she didn't recognize him. 4.17 a.m. A security camera located less than 50 feet from Kernodal's bedroom picked up distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper followed by a a loud thud, and a dog can be heard barking. Goncalves' dog was found in her bedroom when police responded later that day. At 4.20 a.m., the white Elantra, which hadn't been seen since 4.04, drives from King Road at a high rate of speed. uh, Kohlberger was ultimately arrested in late December in his parents' Pennsylvania home and then extradited to face charges in Moscow that include four counts of murder and felony burglary. The Moscow Police Department continues to urge the public to submit any information or images that they think could be important or useful to their investigation. They can do so by calling 208-883-7180 and submitting tips through tipline at ci.moscow.id.us. There you go. So let's... Let me be the first to congratulate the Moscow Police Department for being able to find who they feel and most likely is the man who committed these murders. It is a daunting task for a small town police department to try to figure something like this out who doesn't get this sort of practice okay we're not talking about new york city we're talking about moscow idaho which only Derek the zinger knew that moscow idaho even existed before november 13 2022 so they've narrowed it down there is a window there is a time frame from 404 a.m to 420. That is 16 minutes. 16 minutes of murder. 
16 minutes of murder that was more than likely committed by Brian Kohlberger. When they find your car in the area, on the street, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. I, I'm sorry. But you're also going to scream of guilty. Which, Ford and Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other, firmly believe an eye for an eye. If this guy is found guilty of committing these murders, they should just put him down. It's over. I don't understand, and I'll never understand, why people who commit crimes like these get shown more respect than they show their victims. I mean, this idiot killed four kids who seemingly, from what we understand, were all great young adults getting an education, trying to live their best life until Brian Koberger in his white Hyundai Elantra murdered them between 4.04 a.m. and 4.20 on November 13th, 2022. We will continue to follow this and, and talk about it on this podcast. We have yet to get Vegas's opinion, which is probably probably pro, uh, you know, Koberger's innocent until proven guilty, which I understand is how the court of law works. But in the court of public opinion, that's not how it works. And where there's smoke, there's certainly fire. And Brian Koberger's Elantra being in the area is the smoke. Four people dead is the fire. And as this case moves forward and develops, when something major happens, we will continue to cover it. And we will get back on track here in the next week or so. And we will start cranking out more Ford and Vegas. A true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other. Wherever you may be watching, wherever you may be listening right now, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're at. And if you could give us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs up. If you can give us a five-star rating, give us a five-star rating. You could get this show ad-free for just $3 a month. It goes to supporting the show. Patreon.com forward slash Ford in Vegas. You could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ford and Vegas. And if you want to buy a Ford in Vegas shirt, 
You can do so at shopfordinvegas.com. We always recommend premium soft quality. And we are a proud member of the Darkcast Network, the best indie true crime podcast network on God's green earth. For Vegas, the human, and for Vegas, the puppet, I'm Ford, and we'll see you guys next time right here on Ford in Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other.